0: Yeah, the mother, though, man, Greg preached a great message last year on the motherly nature of God. And that message will blow your mind if you haven't thought about it. But it says in um, Genesis, we're going to be in Genesis today. I'm going to try to keep this short. We decided to go out for lunch, so I told him I know the preacher. We're going to get us out of here quick. But... um. It says, and God said, 126, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. And then he goes down and he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So God created man, and then he describes it as the male and the female. So the man in biblical terms, is not just the male, but the female. The male and the female are give expression to the image of God, give expression to the person of God, the character of God. Um, in large part, I believe the creation, especially the, the head of creation, the man, the female, and the family that they can produce, that family gives expression to the heavenly family which gives expression to our design and our purpose in this life you know that we have been made to be part of a family you know prior to uh understanding that God is father son and spirit we used to just think i used to just think that man if god god created man because he is love and he had no one to love so he created man in order that by necessity he could have something to love right but God was had the Son and the spirit they were dwelling together in love from all eternity they didn't need to create us in order to fellowship and love and to spread this love but out of the goodness of that love they decided to share that life and um yeah my mother has taught me a lot in life um, yeah I don't want to get emotional about it but in a lot of ways, I wouldn't be here today, not just like living, but be here preaching. I wouldn't be here preaching if it wasn't for the influence of my mother upon my life. So, you know, yeah, but anyway, let's pray. Let's pray, get into this message, I'm drop some, some things on y'all, but uh, Father God, we thank you so much for the unity of the faith we thank you God that we're able to come together and talk about the gospel and have good things to talk about we thank you father for the mothers we thank you father for the truth that you have poured out into the earth and um, in Jesus name amen amen so here we go y'all ready for this chaos huh I feel like the last, you know, sometimes I get up here and I kind of have pretty good, my notes are pretty organized, but the last couple times I just get up here and I just kind of just throw it at you. So, but I wanted to talk on some foundational things today, and the title of the message is On the Fall and Redemption of Man. And if it had a subtitle, it would be On the Fall and Glorification of Man right? Um, In my my notes, it's um, titled under, Make Us Whole. So in God, glorifying and redeeming man, he is making man, he is finishing, forming, and fashioning man in his image and after his likeness. Back to the verse we just read, Genesis 1, it says right here, in the image of God, God said, let us make a man in our image after our likeness. Next verse, he says, so God created man in his own image. The image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. It says nothing about the likeness. Many people catch up on this. You can disagree with it if you want. But the likeness part, and if you study that out, it talks of equality, making one and equal with God making one face-to-face, one that can commune and relate to God face-to-face on a level of an intimate relationship, reciprocal, reciprocal intimacy, reciprocal inti- intimacy. Um, and so the likeness part is something that God can't, God can't just form humans in his image and after his likeness. He formed us in his image as beings that function In the same pattern, in the same way he functioned. God functions in a certain spirit. Jesus said, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in that spirit that God functions in. A lot to say, we could say a lot about that, but God proves this in the creation of this, in the the story, because when it comes to man, he spoke everything else into existence. The man, he had to form the man, showing us. I I can't just speak this being into existence. This being is going to be one equal with me. It's going to be one on my caliber, my plane of existence. Paul says we live and move and have our being in God. He says this in Acts 17. And he says that to unbelievers. So even, and we can get, I'm, I'm trying to get into that, but even the unbelievers, who are dead in trespasses and sins. If, if an unbeliever knows not God, they have no hope. If, if, they, don't, if they don't know God and God is life, they, they don't have life. But yet they still they still are functioning in the image of God. They still are seeking life. They still have the ability to partake of life and to believe in life. But uh, let's go right here. I want to show y'all a few things in Romans, and um, I'm gonna back it up. I'm gonna back it up a little bit so to to start to see to get you to where I'm coming from and how I'm looking at the scriptures, because we've traditionally looked at the gospel as in um, in, a, in a satisfaction punitive way where there was a law man broke a law therefore God in his divine honor his divine justice he had to have some type of payment some type of satisfaction to appease his divine honor or his wrath and, and that's where we we'd start to preach the gospel but Jesus took the wrath of God for He satisfied the account, the anger of God. He satisfied the divine honor. And to me, that's just a, it's a, well, it's not true for one. You know what I mean? It, it is a lie, but you can see how people can start to get there. But, but man, the gospel is, is all about restoration. It's all about atonement, at one minute. It's all about God restoring man back to life. The gospel would be a prescription, a healing. Sin would be likened unto a medical dysfunction, a disease of the heart, you might say, a disease of the human being. And the gospel would be coming along as the prescription to heal the human being. And so we could look at it. Um, Well, I look right here. A satisfaction or punitive model drains the gospel of its power and beauty. Um, Yeah, you know, I grew up thinking uh, the war is over, that God had the war against sin, and this war was against man. And in Jesus coming and dying for the sins of the people, God can now justly love man because of the the stuff that Jesus did for him. And so the whole gospel was at one point, God was at war with me, but now he's no longer at war with me. And now he, he, he is, uh, as we would say, he's not mad, he's not sad, he's not even in a bad mood, you know? I don't know why I'm talking about that, but look. So, man, I have all these clear thoughts, and then I get up here with these bright lights, and the light, I can't get over the lights, man. But um, look, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, man. In Hebrews 2, it really gives shape to what is happening in the gospel, (laughs) in the gospel. Okay. Hebrews 2, talking about the making of man. Hebrews 2, 7. Thou made him a little. I'm going to back up a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I see the gospel happening, and then I'm going to read this passage, and then you can start to see my language of where I'm coming from. And so, what happened in the Garden of Eden? When, when in the garden, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil through by deception of the devil, right? The devil perverted the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of this knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge of good and evil, this knowledge would be sin. This corrupted knowledge of good and evil would be the sin. In and, and Romans, when Paul's talking about by one man, Adam, sin came into the world, there's a definite article behind that word in the Greek and it would say the sin we don't say that like that like that in English because of the difference in the language but that word sin there is the noun by the one man Adam the sin came into the world and be, by the sin the death and because of the death reigning over people it caused all the people to sin I'm going to show you all that but so this wisdom that Satan perverted this knowledge of good and evil, that in and of it, so we know it can't be evil, it was in the garden. And if the garden is a picture of the temple, of the holy place, then it couldn't have been evil or it would have defiled the holy place. So in this wisdom being corrupted, Paul in um, 3 Corinthians, he calls that wisdom of the serpent the corrupted faith of the serpent we could say it like this this faith this sin this wisdom that man could exalt himself through the works of his hands essentially that's what this wisdom says that i can be my own god that i in and of myself through my abilities through my strengths to my wisdom through my ability to gather through the image that god has given to me through this capacity I can gather and be a God unto myself, right? God doesn't even function on that wisdom, right? The father lays his, down, lays his life down for the son, the son for the Father, the spirit. They all they're, they are all inequality, all in one. there is but anyway, so that wisdom clothed Adam and Eve in death. So the death that we see in our bodies is just the fruit of that wisdom. So in a a very real way, death and the wisdom that is sin are synonymous. They're they're two sides of the same coin. If you have sin, you have death. you have death, you have sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 56 that the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. Death stings you with sin. Death compels you to labor and lust for life through the works of your flesh or through the glories that the world promises you. That's what it does. And Paul's very, cons- the scriptures are very consistent about this line of reasoning. Genesis 3.15 is the first prophecy on what the, um, on what the atonement, the gospel is going to be about. He is going to come and crush the head or the wisdom of the serpent, which would be the wisdom that is sin, which would be also the death that came by that wisdom, he will crush that wisdom, destroy that wisdom, and that and over and overcoming that, that would be the gospel. I mean that's the first prophecy that we see. Paul's very clear through this in the scriptures. What helps me to think if when I'm thinking about Satan and the accuser when the the scriptures are talking about Satan. that's death. You can almost death, sin, Satan, all those terms are almost synonymous in the scriptures. Oh, the evil one, the death, serpent. So in overcoming death, you're overcoming the serpent. In overcoming death or sin, you're overcoming the serpent. All of this rooted, had its roots and foundations in the um, the serpent and his system. All right, so, yeah, okay. Hebrews 2, I love this right here, Hebrews 2, 5. It says, for to the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. (laughs) This is crazy. You know, we, we, we get, our minds about the gospel, they get so, to where all we think about the gospel is God's not mad at our sin, right? It's just this, there's this sin in between me and God, and there's this bad behavior, and as long as that's removed, you know, God has come to restore man to the glory that he had before, for man before sin ever came. God had something prepared for man. And so sin, although it distorted, it interrupted this plan that God had for man, it did not nullify the plan, you know. Sin could not stop the plan, and so, and so, uh, yeah. So here we go. Hebrews two. Um, Hebrews two six. So, the, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? This is Psalms eight. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, or Elohim. For a time, thou crownedest him with glory and honor. Thou didst set him over the works of his hands. It says, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And so this is saying the same thing I've already said. God made Adam and Eve. He crowned them with glory and honor. The glory and honor that God would crown them with would be the glory and honor from heaven. The spirit of God, it would be. And in their fall, they lost that glory and honor. And so that glory and honor was taken captive, right? satan perverted that glory and honor he now changed it into having man try to attain to the glory and honor that the world promises right the world promises a certain glory and honor and and this is saying you know jesus came into the world and he came to restore that glory that honor for man and we don't yet see the man yet crowned with glory and honor but we see jesus Right? As a type and a shadow of the glory and honor that's coming to us. As an example of the glory and honor that we shall be clothed in. All right. It's going to be a little wordy, but just check this out. Uh. So, for it became him for whom are all things and by him are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That's talking about through the death of the cross because of the death came in to the world. That death had to be destroyed. And this is talking about Jesus Christ came through the cross. He was perfected through going through the cross in the death. Coming out the other side in resurrection, he was perfected through the sufferings of the cross. Um, All right, right here, verse 13, 14. And again, I will put my trust in him, and behold, I and the children with God has given me. For as much then as the children are partakers in flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil <clears throat> now our normal our normal protestant atonement theories what we think about the gospel as in Jesus saving us from the wrath of God this theology that Paul's talk or the author of Hebrews is talking about right here doesn't line up it doesn't make sense Paul is saying that we were all our days in bondage through death and that the serpent had the power of death. The serpent had the power of death. We traditionally think, well, God had the power of death. He could just do whatever he wanted. You know, he could snap his fingers and man would have been creating not Let's let's get this thing moving. Like, what, what's wrong with God? Well, he just it just doesn't work that way. So the serpent... Have brought man under bondage to sin and death, and look at the wording right here: for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise also. We know in Romans eight that it says uh, that Jesus took that Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? Right here, for as much then as the children are partakers in flesh flesh and blood he also likewise that it says um further i think further on in hebrews that he was made in all points like unto his brethren yet he never sinned and so he was made in all points in the same fashion as the corruption that came into adam and eve he came in the likeness of that corruption that he could take upon that death and dissolve it. Check that I talked about this last time. I'm not really trying to give y'all goosebumps. I want y'all to have understanding. Um. Because this theology will blow the scriptures up for you. You'll start to read in the New Testament now, and things will start to make sense. You will see what's happening. Paul says this. He says that uh Jesus was born of Mary, right, of the seed of, seed of David. He came in, in through, through the womb of a woman. He said that he might come into the world to redeem all flesh through his own flesh and that he might raise up in the flesh from the dead just as he has shown himself as our example. All right, track with me. Since the unright- unrighteous prince wished to be God, he laid hands on the prophets and killed them so all the flesh of men might be bound to passions or bound to death, which produces lusts and passions in people. Peter says this in 2 Peter or 1 Peter, one of the two, but he says, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the corruption or the death that is in the world is causing people to lust after glory and honor the only glory and honor that God can give them, it causes them to lust and glor- try to glorify themselves through the, through the world. But God, being righteous and unwilling to abandon his own creation, sent the Holy Spirit into Mary, who believed with all her heart. Isn't that another tribute, though, to women on Mother's Day? This, How the devil, he tempted Eve in the garden, bringing death into the world, but God, through Mary, right, redeeming the image of the woman, brought in salvation to the world, overcoming the seed of the serpent. Um, but he says, he says, even though the evil one believed by the destruction of Jesus' flesh, he will continue to rule by it, by the destruction of that flesh, he was actually conquered and put to shame, and shown to the world once and for all that he was not God. That these these glories, these—I mean, isn't that what death does to you? It promises you life. You know the the goods and the goods and the glory of the world. They promise us life, but then we, if we attain them, we still feel lack. It's like then there's always something else, and that's what and that's the the cycle of it. For by his own body, Jesus Christ saved all flesh and brought it into eternal life through faith that he might present a temple of righteousness in his own body through whom we are redeemed. Amen. And this is the same passage he says, talking about those who do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. He says, resist these people. They are children of wrath, people that are, they have the accursed faith of the serpent. So let me break this down a little bit. Flesh, Adam and Eve were made flesh and bone in the garden prior to corruption. So flesh is not evil. God is trying to redeem flesh. Now, once sin and death came, flesh now has corruption in it. All right? And so we can have a tendency to think this flesh is evil, this flesh is corrupted. Where is the sin coming from that is inside of me? And we can go through the whole Romans 7 ordeal. The things I want to do, I don't do. I find that I delight in the law of God and the inward man, but then I see another law in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind that delights in God, trying to bring me into bondage to the things of the world or to the worshiping and serving the creation instead of the creator. You know, we can see that dynamic and and. And, and what will help us look at it is, is that the flesh is not evil. It's the corruption in the flesh that is evil. And we have to make that distinction. The world, the earth, is not evil. it is, It, it was made by God, and it was good. But the corruption and the death that came into the world through the devil, that's evil. And so... Jesus is coming in to redeem the good creation. He's coming in to redeem the flesh. That was good. He's coming to bring all that God had originally created for man and for the purposes of God to redeem back to him. And uh, one point I want to make on this is, and I'm all over the place here, but, uh, There's this idea in in some of the early church fathers and they talk about whatever was not assumed was not redeemed. Whatever whatever was not assumed as far as human nature, as far as the things that God had created that fell into corruption, whatever was not assumed was not redeemed. And so what what that means is is what it says right here back in Hebrews, for as much then as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he also had to come and be a partaker of flesh and blood in order that he may get inside, right? In order that he may get inside the body of death that Satan had created and clothed upon Adam and Eve with, in order to redeem all of the human nature that God had created in the beginning and originally set good, all the human nature, and that he may redeem that back unto God. And uh, it's very important in our theology. We talk a lot here about this, Jesus as the Son of Man and the Son of God and how there's a wisdom there. There's a mystery there and 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 he speaks to us from the standpoint as Jesus being man, also being God, and he also speaks to us from the standpoint of Jesus being God. And so, whatever state we fell into, and this will help you with your theology, because and I'm gonna get into this in a second about the the sin nature, because we've had this theology in the church church. I was brought up with this theology. That what happened in the garden was this, this, this sin nature, this force of evil entered into you, entered into mankind. This, this spiritual darkness, you might call it, the nature of the serpent. You know, we used to call it a dead spirit on the inside of you. This darkness, this blackness came and dwelt inside of you, and it causes you to sin, right? It's there from birth. You don't sin. You're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because you have a sin nature. Have you ever heard that one? All right. Well, let me say this again. Whatever was not assumed was not redeemed. So whatever you want to say happened to mankind in the fall, Jesus partook of that in order to redeem it back unto God. So however you want to start to slice that up in your brain just remember Jesus partook of that in order that he may redeem it back unto God and check this language out though for as much then as the children partook of flesh and blood it's almost like at one point they hadn't partaken of flesh and blood and then they partook of flesh and blood and so Jesus had to come in the likeness under that dominion of that power of the serpent that he could, could, could break it from the inside out. We see that in the cross. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to clean up a lot of this stuff, hopefully. Y'all might just be short, though. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Let's read that again. And deliver them whose fear of death for all their lifetime subject to the wrath of God. Subject to the, the punishment of God. It doesn't say that. It says they were, they were subject to bondage through the fear of death. And that Satan had the power over death. And this is consistent with Jesus through the gospel. He's consider, he, he's, he keeps talking about now the rule of this world is going to be get condemned. Now the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. If I am lifted up, I will draw. He will be cast out. I will be lifted up. Amen. So let's go to Romans now. And I'm going to show you in Romans 5. I think this is a message. I feel like all my messages kind of go together, and they've been built like God's been trying to build this thing inside of me. Because <clears throat> I, always, I mean, Greg had a he has a huge influence on my theology, but I always try to take that, take that to God and say, "Okay, God, you show me this theology," <clears throat> instead of just trusting, and 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 I think that's what we should all do. But um thank God for Greg, right? All right, Romans five. Is it Roman? Yeah, Romans five twelve. And I, I want to show y'all something right here. Romans five twelve. <clears throat> Remember, first Corinthians fifteen fifty six, and the sting of death is sin. And the sting of death is sin. What does death do? It stings you with sin. And then you, and and that, it's it's like a, it's a perpetual motion, right? They play off each other. You swing over here, death, it swings back over there. And it's like a, they're like tag team partners, sin and death. The good news is if you destroy death, you destroy sin. Right? If you destroy death, you destroy sin. If the sting of death is sin, and you remove death out of that equation, what? there's nothing to sting you with, right? There's no more stinger if death is removed. Therefore, there is no more sin. And God used that verse to teach me a great revelation back in the day, and and this is the revelation. If you cannot save yourself from your sin, right? Or uh, No, let me back it up. If you cannot save yourself from death, right? If you cannot cause yourself to live eternally, if you can't save yourself from death and death stings you with sin, then neither can you save yourself from your sin. (laughs) This is a great revelation, right? This is a great revelation. But look, Romans 5.12. Romans 5.12. And I want to read this because and I want to point out a few things and I'm just going to leave it with you and you can go talk to God with it. But it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. This is the King James I just wrote that out of. This verse right here, Romans 5, 12. This verse was the beginning verse that brought forth the doctrine of original sin, uh, uh, inherited guilt, which led to doctrines of sin nature. All that stuff comes through a wrong interpretation of this verse right here by St. Augustine the Great. And I don't mean to trash St. Augustine because he was a Western Latin judicial father. He said a lot of good things. I'm not trashing St. Augustine. But he had a defective copy. Y'all can study this out. He had a defective Latin Latin copy of a Greek manuscript, right? He didn't read Greek. He had a defective copy uh, from the Latin Vulgate. You can see it from Jerome. And he interpreted this verse in such a way, and I'm about to read it to you right now. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and by sin death, and so death passed upon all men in whom all have sinned. That's how he read that verse in that Latin. And you might say, what's the big deal? Because in light of the passage, Romans 5, and Paul's talking about how in Adam all died, in Adam all were condemned to death. Likewise now in Christ all shall be made alive. By the disobedience of the one man, Adam, sin and death came. By the righteousness of the one man, Jesus, he's restored all to grace and life, right? And Augustine takes this and he says, and he looks at the in whom all have sinned. And he makes those connections with the first Adam and the second Adam. And he makes this conclusion that everybody before, even those who have never been born, sinned in Adam. Which, and that bring, and and from there, your imagination can just go wild. And it did. The carnal mind went wild with that one and it brought forth all types of doctrines of sin natures and you have this evil seed in you, brother. (laughs) And it's that, man, you know, when I first was getting into like Andrew Womack and some other ministries and we had this spirit, soul, and body teaching And that teaching taught us that we no longer have a sin nature, you know? We no longer have a sin nature. You now have a righteous nature. Your old sin nature was taken out. You now have a new righteous nature. That nature cannot sin, right? That nature is perfect. And um, you just have some residual effect in you, some bad habits, you know what I mean? (laughs) I remember I was teaching these, guys this stuff and this one guy came up to me and he was like bro are you sure we don't have a sin nature anymore he's like Cause i still feel something in me you know what i mean and i was like no brother you do not have a sin nature you have a righteous nature when <laughs> all these things but the point is and paul's talking about this in romans 7 he says i delight in the law of god according to the inward man but i see another law here warring in my members And then he defines it. He says, who shall save me from this body of death? Who shall save me from the death that's in his body? I thank God. Through the resurrection, we see a new life come forth from the grave. And that life, the spirit of that life will save us. Amen. But look, here's an orthodox rendering of that same passage. And the passage itself refutes all all the conclusions of Augustine. It says right here, what was passed to all people because of Adam? 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin, thus sin, entered into the world, and death by the sin. And so death passed to all men. Death passed to all men. What passed? Let's pray. What passed to all men? Death passed to all men, right? The wisdom of the serpent brought, the wisdom of the serpent, if you take it and you close it in the body, that body is death, right? That death, the death that we have inside of us was passed into this. I said this in the last message, but in wisdom, it talks about God made not death, Right? Neither has he pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. He says, God made not death, but through the deception of the devil, death came into the world. Through the envy and deception of the devil, death came into the world. And God made man to partake of his immortality and to have life. But through the deception of the devil, um, here's the rendering, Romans 5.12. Therefore, even as through one man sin into the world and death through sin and death passed to all men on account of which all have sinned. On account of the death that passed to all men, all sinned. (laughs) That's how it should be read. In line with 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sting of death is sin. Death passed to all men on account of which. And that's the. That's the confusion, that Greek pat that Greek term right there. Death passed to all men, on account of which all have sinned. On account of which all have sinned. And that word sin there is not a noun. It is the verb on account of which all is actually an adjective, but on account of which all have partaken of sin, the fruits of death. So the works of the flesh would be just be the works of death. Paul talks about this, how death worked in him, producing fruit, fruit unto death. And uh, amen, amen. So I was talking to Brock about this message, and he wanted me to tell y'all a little something. Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, therefore there is now no condemnation, right? We used to think that condemnation is, The anger of God. There is now no more anger. God is no more. He wanted me to tell you what that word condemnation stood for, and it stands for death. Okay. There is now, therefore, now no more death. Right. And I can prove that to you if you back, you back up right up to the fifth chapter. He says it in two places, and not as if it was by one that sinned. So is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. The next um, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. All right. So anyway, y'all can thank him later. All right. I, I remember, uh, yeah, when I first started seeing that, how the condemnation was not that God is not angry at you anymore, but the condemnation is that God has removed your death, restored you unto life, given you an inheritance in his kingdom, crowned you with glory and honor, and to the degree that you walk in and believe that knowledge, there's no condemnation for you. If you walk in the spirit of that truth, um, in the in the in the in the scriptures and this can be debated i don't care i'm gonna say it especially in paul the flesh stands for adam and everything that that fell in adam that is the flesh in the scriptures and the spirit would be what christ has done in restoring that creation in his resurrection And the glory that he now has and the life that he now promises, that is the spirit. I know that can be confusing, but just when you're thinking about it, no longer walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit. It's just saying, no longer walk in Adam and and the corruption of Adam, but walk in Jesus in his resurrection power, in the spirit, in the life that he has for us. And this is why we see the symbols. This is why I remember the Sabbath day. Well, let me get, the circumcision was a cutting off of the flesh of Adam. It was the cutting off of the Adamic, of the death that came into the world through Adam, the first creation that was a corrupt creation that had to be over overturned, done away with. By death came, by death had to go. And so the flesh is, encapsulating all of that, including the death in our bodies, you know. And there is a way that we can talk about flesh prior to the fall that w- is not corrupted because Adam was made flesh and bone. And so, but the flesh in that instant and and Paul would be in reference to Adam and the fall and all that came. And so the circumcision, right, which is connected to the righteousness of faith, which is connected to the resurrection, that life that God is bringing forth was given to Abraham, who is the father of the faith, the father of the resurrection faith, right? That there was going to be a cutting off of the first creation, Abraham. There's going to be a death to the first creation, and there's going to be a resurrection of the spirit, and all your descendants are going to shine like the stars in that resurrection, right? That first creation is going to be cut off. There's going to be a new creation. That's why they were circumcised on the eighth day, right? A new week, a new creation was coming forth. <clears throat> and it was also, you know, in the, in the foreskin of your flesh, right? It was also in a very particular place, right? That would also symbolize the cutting off of the arm of man, the cutting off of the strength of man, or the self glory, glorying of man. It's a cutting off of that. And it's an interesting in uh, Genesis 17, he says, And all the males of your house that are not circumcised will be cut off. All the males, <laughs> all the males in your house that do not receive the spirit of the resurrection will be cut off and that word cut off means castrate so you can have the tip of it cut off or you can have the whole thing but something's being cut off (laughs) but you know that's that and and that's 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 the same with us the the cross we die with christ to the cross we take up our cross so you can take up the cross of christ right, where he strengthens you to take up the cross, or you can be left to take up your own cross, that's just what the the cutting off of all those who weren't circumcised <coughs> would mean, amen, so the flesh, the, the flesh, the first creation is dying away, and the new creation established in the resurrection of Jesus is coming forth, and I'm getting off on a tangent, but Anyway, did that make sense to y'all about how death passed upon all men and death is a problem? I'm going to talk a little bit about what death is and how death cometh not from God. Um, And so just let me stick to my notes a little bit. So it was a death nature passed to all men. Instead of calling it a sin nature, we should have called it a death nature. Oh, your problem is you're dying. Death passed them to you. And that death is causing you it's causing you to enlist the strength that you have in your death body in order to satisfy, to comfort the effects of that death. Um, the way a death promises life, does it not? I've been thinking about this a lot, in case you haven't noticed. But... You know, what death does, right, is it binds you to your flesh. It binds you to the works of your hand. That's what it does. It causes, death is a, um, they, they, they talk about it as a separation of God. If God is life, right, death causes you to look to yourself, binding you. It says the carnal mind can't, can't trust in God. The carnal mind just means the flesh mind, the death mind. It cannot trust in God because it's bound to itself. It cannot, it doesn't have the strength. You ever been in a situation where the terror, like actual fear of death came upon you or you were in a close encounter or you you felt a, you felt a lust so strong that you just could not stop it where it's like, uh, you know, someone... If someone cuts you off in traffic you automatically tense up it something that comes out of you it rises up on the inside of you you have no control over it <clears throat> it well well that's that's essentially what death does it it produce it, it the lust for life right it causes you the lust for life so strong that that death binds you to self-preservation but it's just you know we make the we make the illustration of someone drowning, right? They're just gasping for air. They're gasping for air. They can't trust the lifeguard. They don't have it in them to trust the lifeguard, even though the lifeguard is there to save them. And they know the lifeguard is there to save them. That's the same dynamic with the carnal mind. It cannot trust God because of its preservation of the death that's in his flesh. The only thing that can save A dying person is a resurrection from the dead, right? A resurrection from the dead. Um, We are all without strength to overcome the sting of death. This is also language Paul's used. While we were yet without strength, sin and death caused a ripple through creation, subjecting creation to bondage. Let's look at Romans 8 right here. Romans 8, Paul talks about this, and he says, because, 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from bondage of corruption into the liberty of the children of God. For we know, well, Paul knew, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now, because the creation was also subjected to vanity, Because Adam had dominion over the creation and Adam was created from the dust of the ground, but he was also had the spirit of heaven blown into him and he was the intermediary of heaven and earth. He was the place where heaven and earth joined together. He was to be the image of God in the earth and subdue and subject the earth to the spirit of heaven, to the spirit of God. This is what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection. He trusted in the Father. He looked to the Spirit. He subdued and took dominion over the forces of the devil. I know that wisdom is foolishness, but. <clears throat> and so this is what. So that when the, the dust. Where was I going? Adam was created from that dust. Um, and in. And in Adam's sinning, since the creation is connected to Adam, Adam has dominion. The creation is connected to the dominion of Adam, right? He is earth. He is of the earthy. In his fall, creation fell. When death entered into the body of Adam, death entered into creation. We see this with the thorn and the thistle. We see there was a there was a change in creation. God did not create the creation with death in it with thorns and thistles with corruption he did not create the creation with that there was a change in the creation the creation was now subject to bondage and corruption and that's what paul is saying right here and it wasn't done willingly god didn't god, however you want to however you want to interpret that god never planned for corruption or death to come into the world that was never part of the plan God was always gonna become flesh and death and corruption did not need to happen. That was a great mystery. And I'm not gonna get into that because I might, I might be here a little longer. So these, so death polluted the body as well as creation And look what creation is doing. Look at this verbiage that Paul is talking about right here. He's talking about the creation like a a woman in child labor about to give birth. The creation is groaning with birth pains. What is it waiting for? What is it groaning for? For the death and the corruption to be removed from the earth. It says it right here. The creation... Well, is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God or the resurrection, the manifestations. For the earnest expectation, verse 19, of the creature, the creation, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, and the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Into the glorious liberty of the sons of God, um, man, you think you have this you you get this message in your head and you think it's going to go so smooth, and then you get up there and it's like, I have to preach again now, get that out. I don't know i I guess you know is it is what it is. All right. I mean, I can keep reiterating. I know these things. Hey, look, I know these things are, are contrary to the to the way we thought about the gospel. It's like it's like looking at creation. It's like looking at the scriptures and the gospel message in a whole new, broader sense, to where it's this whole meta narrative, this whole story that is that we're involved in. Versus just this your God didn't like your sin, you need to repent, you know what I mean, and that devoids all the power of what's going on, and it reduces it, God to of you know, I, I, this one guy, this one Calvinist asked me one time, he said, Well, how do you see reconciliation? And I said, Well, you mean like God doesn't have to be reconciled like a little petulant child? you know what I mean. That's, I don't see reconciliation like that. Speaking of reconciliation, check this out, the definition. In profane Greek, it meant to conciliate peace or propitiate, cause the gods to be reconciled. That's in profane Greek. Those Those are regular, the gods of this world. Their goodwill was not regarded as their natural condition, right? They had to be appeased, right? So there's always two two ways to look at things. <clears throat> um, amen. Psalm seventeen, at the the last verse of Psalm seventeen. we talk? Greg talks a lot about how God has put eternity in people's heart, and people are thirsting and hungering for eternity. And those who don't know the Lord, that God has given it to them as a gift, they seek to serve and to fulfill the lust for that life, that eternity, through the the works of their hands, through the things of the world. But there's only one thing that can satisfy the eternity that is in your heart. And guess what it is? Eternity. Okay? (laughs) There's only one thing that can satisfy man. It says that God crowned man with glory and honor. If you're created in the image of God and God is filled with glory and honor, you also have to have glory and honor or you're not his image. You're not his likeness. You're something else, right? But we have this innate desire to be clothed in the same glory that God has. And only the glory that God has will satisfy. Um, and And I think this understanding is a prerequisite to 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 believing, to having faith. We know that we are believers because we are seeking glory from God. We are not seeking glory of our own. We are the circumcision that has, no we put no confidence in the flesh but in the spirit right we seeking a glorification that comes from god alone just like jesus sought a glorification that came from god alone he the dude could have made the world his kingdom he could have came down off the cross he could have destroyed everybody he could have done not that he could do that you know but you know what i mean he could have overcame the serpent through the wisdom of the serpent but he didn't do that. He looked to the Father for life. The Father glorified him, life, proving. Look at Psalm 17, the last verse, 17, 15. It, it says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. In the it's I will be satisfied when I awake with your glory. That's what it says. When I the satisfaction of the human heart will be satisfied in the resurrection in the manifestation of the sons of God, the 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 satisfaction of the creation will also be satisfied in the resurrection in the manifestation of the sons of God. And to me, man, that that you know, I was going to call this message on the fall and glorification of man. Because the glorification, or we could say deification, man sharing in the divine nature, being deified by God, not that man becomes a god, but man is a sharer in the life of God. That is the goal of creation, that creation would share in the immortality and deification by God. And the way we share in that is through faith, through the faith, through the faith that was revealed in Jesus. We do not... We will not share in that glorification through the the corrupt faith of the serpent where we can exalt ourselves and look <coughs> but um man, I don't know. So sin would be likened to um sim sin would be like into a disease or affliction that is upon man, sin would be a stain that is upon man, that God heals him of, washes him of. Um, I don't know, man. I felt like I jumped around. I didn't, I didn't put it how I was going to go, but uh talking a little bit about the resurrection. Um, so Jesus was justified within the Spirit. Jesus was just, it says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Romans chapter 1, Paul says that Jesus was declared, appointed, shown forth, manifested in the resurrection of the dead, by the resurrection of the dead, according to the spirit. Paul is connecting the justification of man to Jesus and what happened to the man Jesus in the resurrection of the dead. Justified in, he was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Jesus was declared to be the son of God in the power. He was justified as the son of God in power in the resurrection of the dead. Paul's likening our resurrection to our justification in the same way he's likened Jesus' resurrection in his justification. Jesus was justified from sin and death in his resurrection in the same way we will be justified from sin and death in our resurrection. What do we wait? We are waiting the resurrection of the dead. So I'm going to end with this right here. Romans 3.23. Famous verse. It's on the Romans road, ain't it? Romans (laughs) 3.23. Hmm. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and lack the glory of God. That word fallen short or lack, it could also just be translated, for all have sinned and suffer want of the glory of God. Or for all have sinned and have failed to be partakers of the glory of God metaphorically failed to become a partaker for all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God (laughs) in in Paul's theology it's it's like the problem of man and why they're sinning is because they don't have the glory of God so what we will do is we will restore their glory to them we will remove their death, their dishonor, their unglory. We will restore them back to life. We'll give them the glory that Jesus said, the same glory that you give to me, we will give unto them to where they will be one with us. Read John 17. It'll blow your mind. It really will. But, but Paul's saying right here, all have sinned and come short, lack the glory of God. And that glory is the immortality and likeness of God so in the beginning when he created man in his image the likeness part comes in the resurrection when you have believed upon the faith you in the resurrection we will still be ourselves but we will no longer have death in our bodies our natures will be fixed there will never ever be another chance of a fall there will never ever be a chance of us falling from that grace Um, look at Romans 2 Paul says, talking about those who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, immortality. So in Paul's mind, he's connecting glory, honor, and immortality. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory, the immortality of God. Also in Romans chapter 1, it says they changed the glory of the immortal god right? that was to be theirs for and into an image made like to a corruptible man in other words instead of being clothed in the immortality of god they became clothed in death they exchanged the glory of immortality for the glory of flesh dead flesh um, but uh I think I'm gonna close right there, and then I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read um, 1 Peter chapter, some of 1 Peter chapter one. And so in light of everything that I've said here, keep, keep these things in your mind. Um, chap, verse three, it says, Blessed be the God of Father, Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again. We have been made alive again out of the dead. um, Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So yet we do not yet see all things. We do not see this body clothed in immortality yet, but we see Jesus and that life that he has was reserved in heaven for us. It says, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. um, That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, Though it be tried with fire, it might be founded to the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of go- glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Receiving the end of our faith, which is resurrection, bodily resurrection, in the same fashion as Jesus Receive when we receive that. When we allow um, these truths to to dwell in our hearts, they purify our souls from dead works. Um, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied the grace that should come to you. Which what is the grace that shall come to us? The resurrection, the glorification of God. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified before, beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but to us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is this grace that that to be brought to us? It says that the Holy Ghost has now been sent down from heaven. Jesus said the Holy Ghost cannot come yet because I have not ascended unto heaven. And so before Jesus ascended unto heaven, the devil still had dominion in the world. In him overcoming the death, which was the dominion of the devil, in his resurrection and ascension, he has cast out the evil one. He has stripped the evil one of his powers. Jesus being seated at the right hand of God is a word to all men that the heavens are now open unto God for man. That spirit has been poured out on all men, on all flesh. Those who believe on that spirit That spirit will raise them up from the dead as it did it in in the man Jesus. Paul says that in Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also raise you from the dead, quickening your mortal body. Just the real meat. For real. Just the real meat. You know, I could preach a lot of encouraging things. I got a good testimony. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life and I can encourage you with those things. Overcoming drug addiction, overcoming all types of addictions, overcoming I'm an habitual felon. I'm a level 5 felon, you know? Overcoming that and all that that came with that. And the power has been in understanding the resurrection and these things that I'm teaching you. Um he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves again according to the former your former lust in your ignorance. you know the fathers talk about the the prerequisite for sin is ignorance. If God is the supreme beauty, the supreme good, the only way you can reject that is through ignorance, right? And so but as he, Which hath called you is holy, so ye be holy in all manner of conversation. That just means be separated unto life. Be separated unto the resurrection. I just want to end with this right here. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Because man was crowned with glory and honor and and had dominion and Adam went into death, the only way to save him was for God to come in that flesh, enter into that death from the inside out destroying that death in his resurrection. Paul says this, since by man came death, by man also had to come the resurrection of the dead. You know, God couldn't have just switched his fingers. My old gospel, the whole problem was God's anger. He could have just flicked his his fingers and everything would have been right. Paul's gospel, the real gospel, is talking about without flesh and blood being overcome, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Death has to be defeated. The enemy had to be defeated, amen. But and it says, "Whom, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory." That's why the cornerstone of salvation from sin. Is us believing that in the same way God raised Jesus from the dead, he shall also raise us from the dead. That heals our being from the wound and the bite of the serpent. Paul will go on to say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him up, you're saved. Or you shall find salvation in that message, you know? Amen. Connecting the resurrection to the salvation of sin. Connecting the resurrection to the salvation of sin. He doesn't say if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God is no longer angry with you, you shall be saved. doesn't say that. He says the power unto righteousness, the power of salvation unto righteousness is found in what what Jesus did in the resurrection. And how he overcame that resurrection. How did Jesus overcome How did Jesus overcome the death of the cross and was raised from the dead? Through the faith of God, through believing in God as Father. That's where he declared the righteousness of God, you know, through through going through the death of the cross, knowing that in the death of the cross, if we see God also, if if we see God dying the death of the cross, then certainly God can't be the one punishing us with the death of the cross. And so God took upon that death himself to remove. I've said that about 30 times today. Okay. Anyway, that's the gospel, man. So uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your resurrection. Thank you, God, that. When, when man fell into corruption, you did not forsake him, that you loved him with the everlasting love, that you did not give up on the plan, that you did not forsake your creation, that you came in and, and joined yourself to us in, in our death and from the inside out destroyed it, returning us to glory, redeeming us from death and the corruption. Uh, thank you for this Mother's Day. Thank you. Um, for the gospel and uh, for these people. And I, I, I just pray that, you know, yes, that that we would all know that, yes, God is with us. Yes, God is in us. Yes, we have been redeemed and restored. Yes, we are holy before God. No, But no, we have not been resurrected from the dead yet. Amen. 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 Anybody want to say something?
1: thinking about, uh, you know, in some ways that was super deep, and in some ways it was super simple, because he basically talked about life and death, and I was thinking, well, how how would you tell, uh, how would you talk to someone on the street who doesn't have the foundation that we think we have here, and uh, I I guess I would put it this way, um, and this may sound familiar to you, God had a dream for himself. The only immortal had a dream for himself. His dream was to share a life with you forever. But when sin entered the world, death entered the world, and then these bodies, they started to wear out. I don't know about you, but my body's wearing out. I got a couple of herniated discs, and that reminds me, this body is wearing out. And... uh at that point, you might expect somebody on the street to give you a response in some way or argue with you, as I would have. What about all the Chinese in China? You know, What if I want to pray to a tree? I came up with all kinds of things. And I think no matter what they said, they believed. I would just simply ask them this. Uh, does what you believe have the power to bring you out of the grave? Because that's, that's the bottom line. This, what we're talking about today, this has the power to bring you out of the grave. This is the story about how God fulfills his dream for himself by making us immortal so we can be with him forever. Amen. Come on up,
0: <laughs> Becky Thompson. Come on,
2: come on down. Come on down. This is, the price is right, and the price was right, wasn't it? It was paid in full. Can okay, I don't know if this matters, but um, I just want to say I'm Becky, and uh, I don't live here, but I live in, in Raleigh, well, right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, in Durham, and I just want you to know that. Um, I see y'all all the time. Y'all don't see me, but I see y'all every week, many times during the week <laughs> as I watch the videos, the Bible studies, the messages, and I lived here for a year. I don't know what ha- what I was doing, but it wasn't plugging in like I wished I had, but the message was very powerful to me when I came, every time I felt life here, and there is life here. There's life in the words of Maurice, and Matt, and, um, I'm sorry. Um, Say it again, I can't hear you. Annette, Annette, that's it, yes. And um, uh, Greg, just just Thomas, um, those of y'all I know that um, I see more frequently, I can remember your names under pressure, but um, y'all all minister to me. And I have a Bible study in my home um, ever since I moved back up there about a year and a half ago, but it was uh, more in line with Andrew Womack because my former pastor did it. And, you know, we kind of butted heads the whole time very nicely, but we still were in different veins. And let me tell you, when God puts life on the inside of you, you have to go for life. I mean, you don't think about drowning, you just go for life, and um, the Lord just gave me the bible study and so i have four people the four of us now some of them didn't really want to go our way but that's fine because god knows how to get us where he needs us if we'll just listen but uh, i just want y'all to know that there is a gospel revolution church bible study extension in durham north carolina and um anytime y'all come up there Y'all have a place you can stay in my home. You can, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm
0: on.
2: I thought I was just with y'all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, um, yes, God
0: so, bless it, the simple.
2: I'm not, I'm not uh. <laughs> children anyway. Bless their hearts, their little hearts, um, but yeah, um. What I want to say is, yes, if you are in the area, in, in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, anywhere, you just, 919 No, I don't care, just call. It's fine with me, I'm not worried about that. Leave a message or I won't answer you if I don't know you. But, um, I'm not done. I really have something important to say. It's very, It's very wonderful. And I didn't really want to say all the other stuff. What I want to really yeah, I did, because y'all mean the world to me. I love y'all. Well, you're my church, and so y'all that keep asking me where I go to church. This is where I go to church every Sunday on my couch. It is wonderful. And But what I want to say is I'm thankful that God, I bet every one of you in here, God has given you a word before. And you like, what, what? I made that all up in my head. Okay, so God gave me a word many years ago. He told me, well, actually, I was in church. He just said something about Jared. He said that, he said, he is your man of God. Okay. Huh. I don't know. I just, I didn't know how to reconcile that with his, his person and his life choices. They were very different than. They are today, and I just, I just, we even had an argument one time, and I said, I said, I said, well, I don't know how you're going to become a man of God from where you are right now, and he looked at me like I had just punched him in the stomach, because it is very important that we believe in others, and when God gives you a word, when God gave me that word, I knew that settled it, even though I, my mind couldn't wrap around it. So we, and and it's not. The reason I'm saying this is because I think somebody needs to hear that the Word of God that is preached in this this building every Sunday and in y'all's homes, that Word has built an image of of God on the inside of him that has set him perpetually free, more and more free. It is doing that for me, and I haven't gone, I'm not a level five felon. But I was the stupid mother of the level five felon, according to the powers that be. So it does not matter who we are, where we are. God's word builds Himself on the inside of us, or so where we see. Okay, for me, it's I see Him on the inside of me. We're like one group of. We're like a you know we those twi- twins that are conjoined. You know we're together all the time it builds a life on the inside of you and it sets us free and this this gospel is so powerful there might be only 25 people in here but i don't know that wouldn't take long to expedite and or whatever the word is and it would be the world so i'm just very excited and very thankful and overwhelmed by just the life of god that has come forward from y'all's group all of y'all have sowed seeds that are bearing fruit and i have people who really love hearing this this is like extra they say they don't even they haven't heard nothing yet it's it's the it is the the most wonderful thing and i'm excited about what god is going to do even more through the revelation of this church and through each of your lives and i'm grateful for what he's done in my life and my family's life and I just wanted to be have the opportunity to say that to y'all face to face, and um, that I love y'all, appreciate y'all. Amen.
0: I thought she was about to give a testimony. No, about she about started it. to to yeah. say, you know that, you know, I've been we've been here six years, and Sit down. <laughs> for six years I've been preaching this gospel to it, and she just got it. Okay, so, Amen. How.